then there was game day. Finally. God, at long last. And as we let you know all week, we're staring at puck drop less than three hours for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the San Jose Shark. All week, pretty quiet. I gave Sammy some homework. Derek's along for the ride today doing the tech. Producer Sammy, Justin Bourne, yours truly, in for a fun couple of hours here. And we gave Sammy a project, find out the 6 p.m. start. Yeah. Didn't really. And then we started getting all these uh, trickle-down effect of why it's 6 p.m. And then today, Sheldon Keefe gave us a very scientific breakdown. Really clarified things. Really clarified things precisely today on, on the 6 p.m. start. Let's have a listen. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not certain how exactly that came together, to be honest, but uh, I think that's, that is part of it on how you know, it's going to help us in terms of the back-to-backs and such, but I'm not engaged in... You know, setting the schedule. Like that, so. <laughs> Not my department, man. Oh, that was really scientific, wasn't it, JB? <laughs> I love it. Boy, did he break that thing down. Well, if it didn't come from him, you would think he would be the guy who'd be like, hey, we want more rest. Or you know, it's funny that the head coach is like, ah. Um, I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> we might have to use that. Sorry, sorry, Kiefer. We may have to hang on to that. So I'm... I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You you save that clip for the rest of the year. <laughs> for baffling decisions. So that tells you everything you want to know about the decision for 6 p.m. It didn't come from Sheldon, which means it didn't come from the players. So if the players really, really needed the push for the extra hour, then they would have gone through Sheldon, then Sheldon would have gone upstairs, mm-hmm. and then it would have, no, no, no. There is some genius right now on the fifth floor who really pushed for this extra hour. There is someone who is on the payroll trying to not be relevant, but they're getting paid to do something, to have some impact there, whether it's Greg, the uh, you know mental coach, or Rich Rotenberg, the performance coach. Someone is... It, that's that's a big deal. I, the reason we're talking about this is it's it's a big deal to move a game on a Friday night to seven p.m. You want to go to a Leafs game and you're working in Whitby. I mean, good luck. And you know, for a lot of people getting home from work and having dinner with their family, you know, not it's Friday night. What is the priority here? So if you win tonight six one, does the the genius who came up with the 6 p.m. start walking around like he's the cat's meow? Or do sure. you have no no, or do you have to wait to see what happens tomorrow night before you you walk around MLSE uh hallways like you're the smartest guy since sliced bread? Yeah. Oh boy. I big big pressure on this guy who made the one hour switch. Big Huge pressure. Huge pressure. Cause I gotta be honest with you, I, I don't think there's there's a lot of Perhaps season ticket holders or someone who's got tickets tonight thinking this is a good thing, a 6 p.m. start. What do you think for attendance tonight? They've been... I, I really anticipate that come 6 o'clock, 
that building could still be half empty because no matter how many times we've mentioned 6 p.m. today on a Friday night, there's going to be some idiot that walks in at 7.05 and goes, oh, and goes uh, um, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, why is the first period over already? Yeah. For uh, sure. You know that's coming. It is. It's weird. It's it's really, really bizarre. A lot of tickets available for tonight, fellas. Just looking on the Ticketmaster website here. So yeah. we did talk about this the other day, and as as uh, the day progressed, there's a lot of people out there with so many different theories. I had one that I said that maybe there's a lot of uh, Bay Street people that just aren't in the office and will not go from the office to... For the lack of attendance, you mean? Yeah, for yeah. the lack of attendance. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's there's other theories as well. And, you know, one of them includes just how expensive it is, especially hopefully coming out of a pandemic, which we are still very much in. Yeah, there's not uh, a time I tweet about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you've made good points that, you know, the downtown is just generally less busy, that there was a a tough financial time for a lot of people. For me, I genuinely believe there is some frustration. I mentioned that the other day, but... There is some frustration because when I tweet about the Toronto Maple Leafs, I get at least one person being like, don't care, over it, sick of the Leafs, not watching anymore. Like, they've been burned one too many times. You can only play with fire so many times, and some people are just going to wait. They just can't be a part of this anymore. So Gord Stellick, who we had on the show yesterday, mentioned that uh, some of the people, uh, season ticket holders, had the option to defer their tickets, which means they don't want them this year, and then they can pick up up. They can pick them up next so year. So those are available for one year for someone this year, exactly. presumably. Yeah, that's tougher to sell. But that means that, that that the Leafs have to go out and resell those tickets at the price, of course, which is, we know, the most expensive NHL ticket around. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I'm just i just looking for for fun here, fellas. And uh, two, bowl, two in the lower bowl, good seats. 624 for a pair. So, I mean, wow. unless you're, you know... The Bay Street type that we were talking about before, maybe he has a little bit of disposable in- income. Who's spending six hundred and twenty-four dollars to go see a six p.m. hockey game on a Friday night? So, uh, just uh, just just two tickets there that I was looking up. But Sam, dinner after. But that's also uh, three hours before puck drop. So, I'm interested to see if that price drops mm-hmm. within an hour or two hours. But I, if you're I can, a fan, I, I can assure you that if if those are unsold. At about quarter to six, I would imagine that price would change. Yeah. And it would go down yeah. if it's unsold. Because you, you don't want to eat those tickets. You're going to try to recruit, uh, re- recoup your money mm-hmm. so as, as much as you can. But it, it's it's a hard thing coming out of this pandemic. And, you know, the other factor is, too, that we didn't mention is up until when, guys? Two weeks ago, everybody thought that there was only seven... 1,500 or 8,000 people allowed in the building, and then that becomes double. Sure. People and haven't planned. It's not a part of their winter schedules, it's, right? It's not part of their winter schedule, and they've maybe budgeted or allocated so many dollars. And at the end of the day, it, it's still, as Sam just pointed out, that's if you're going to spend five or $600 for a pair of tickets, that doesn't include the 25 Dollar hot dog or the oh, park. It's hundred bucks once you, once you get three beers and the, a hot dog and park. Oh boy! See you later you're at one hundred and twelve bucks. <laughs> yeah. So th- those are those are for sure factors going into all of that, and and the other thing too, guys, is 
this time of year isn't generally kind to the National Hockey League. Yeah, Gord said that yesterday. I, I hadn't heard that before. Oh, no, no, no. It's a huge issue in the States, especially south of the border, that they are so into their football. football and, and we've look, look at the options right now. Look at the oh, fight for the dollar everything. on the MLB playoffs, NBA starting, NHL, and then a football game last NFL, night, NFL. Football, so yeah. that's four leagues fighting for your dollar, fighting for your eyeballs, advertisers fighting for attention. Where do they go? What sport do they pick? Meanwhile, in February, the NHL is like, come to Papa. But it it, it, it is a, a tough grind here. Yeah. And, you know, ESPN is now the big player down in the States, along with TNT. And I've got friends, uh, you know, from my playing days in Washington they're all bitching about no no cable the other night. So it's on ESPN Plus, a subscription on, service, exactly. not TV. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's unavailable. People still don't understand. They see ESPN's involved, and that's great. But what they don't understand is they they're going to lose a lot of games off cable. So you can, if you want to watch them, you're going to have to stream them. Well, that's how ESPN's going to try to recoup their big their payouts here. They're going to move people to their streaming service where they'll have them. And going forward. Seattle, Kraken. This weekend. Yeah. At home for the first time in their history. Not on cable. Not on cable. Really? Not on cable. And I get it. It's 2021, and this is where it's trending. It's just tough to but tell, like, my it's, dad it's or still, someone. It's, be it's like, still not know, trending whoever. fast enough for people to understand. What do you mean I, I can't turn on my TV and watch this game? What does streaming game? mean? It means there's a chance that the game will get stuck and you'll stare at a pinwheel <laughs> when someone's on a breakaway. That's but not on Sportsnet now, which is never failing. Un perfect. Unlike unlike Sportsnet, other streaming lines could <laughs> right. possibly get the pinwheel. Correct. Well correct. done, boys. Thank Way you. to bring that back down. If, if, uh, <laughs> Took her to the edge. Well, I I'm just telling you, I could I could stick my fist right through. When I see that pinwheel. The, the, you got the apples. You get the colorful circle of death. Oh, my yeah. God. It's tough. That is painful. But good luck to Seattle and uh, good luck to uh, all their local people uh, trying to find the game. I just think it's a massive storyline, fellas, that we're talking about this early in the season that the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't selling out pandemic or not. And I think, you know, the it, fact that there's a bunch of tickets available yeah. three hours before puck drop on a Friday night in Toronto is really, really surprising, you know. Pandemic or not. So. Population of the GTA. Anyone? Winning, winning can fix seven, that, though. Eight million? Right. Winning and getting on winning a hot never, streak. Winning and... never mattered, Kipper. <laughs> they sold well, previously it hadn't. Yeah, yeah. that's true, but you're well, right. Well, maybe and now it does. Yeah. Well, and that's, first off, that'd be an eye-opener if I'm with the Leafs brass. I'm like, oh. We, we are in a new world here going through a year and a half, two years of this thing. Mm -hmm. they, MLSE. All the ownership prior to that, whether it was Harold Ballard or the teacher's pension, never had to deal with this. So it's there, and it's not going away. So they're, they're going to have to get creative here. They're going to have to figure out a way. You know, I, I think that it's for the better. It's going to force them to engage fans more, and instead of being standoffish and, ah, they're going to do whatever and fans are going to come to us, I think it'll, it'll force the organization to be more fan-forward. I think it'll end up being a benefit. Okay, one more note on the 6 p.m. start. Um, and, uh, you know, outside of the, the jokes that, uh, you know, someone's going to have to eat their dinner in their lap tonight, it, it does favor the Toronto Maple Leafs. They encouraged it. They went to the league. The big reason, 
and one that I think can't be denied by the National Hockey League is there issues on maybe there might be some issues at the border. First visit in, they got to clear customs in Pittsburgh and not in Toronto. But on the other side, you've got a San Jose Shark team who just played last night, staring three at three and four. Like, they just lost an hour. You know what? And uh, that's brutal after a back-to-back. I'm you like, don't fall asleep till 2 I'm, in the morning. You're looking for a, a quality nap did, did, that day. D- did Doug Wilson and the San Jose Sharks even have a say in this? Would, you're the general manager of the San Jose Shark. Yeah, 6-5, no problem. We just traveled uh, overnight. Right? Why don't, we, why don't we just play as soon as we get in? <laughs> you know, I you have to understand why people get frustrated with the Leafs. Like Canucks fans on Saturday nights having to watch, uh, you know, four, or sorry, play it. What is it, 4 p.m. they play out west? That's right. Like, I understand why people get annoyed by the whole, it's just a population thing. There's just more people here. That's And another reason why to hate Toronto. Well, and the that's, Leafs. that's the thing. There's just so many. <laughs> I, was, so, I actually I, went I to one. I embrace the villain status. Now. I actually I like went it. to one of those games in Vancouver, the 4 p.m. start. Yeah, a couple years ago. I bet it's a ton ago. of fun. You go was, right out. It's dinner time. It was actually I. The big joke I was making to all the Canucks fans in my section, I was chirping like, every game should start at 4 p.m. Like that's when hockey should Man. start. This is great. You go have a dinner in after Arizona, and, watching kickoff dinner, at 10 a.m. Yeah. Let's go. Dinner and a beer at that time. And at the Roxy by 9 or 10 p.m. Kipper, I was at the Roxy. I'll tell you. Was a, that was a fun time. Uh, K- Kipper was king at the Roxy. You spent oh, some time, did really? you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I put, in, <laughs> I put in a couple shifts myself. <laughs> yeah. Good times. And about 25 pounds less <laughs> and in shape. But on the other hand, they're hot, and maybe they want to play right away. And we look at the standings, and we see a lot of teams that we weren't expecting to to get off to a good start, and San Jose is one of them. Right. No, it's... Um, Smoke and mirrors here, or we seeing a, a team that finally looks like they're they're getting something out of the Brent Burns and, and the Carlsons, and Carlson is off to a good start. Yeah, I don't think it's entirely smoke and mirrors. I mean, I'm not going to say it's the sole reason, but, like, I can't help but feel like if Kane was such an issue for them last year, maybe they feel like a little bit less internal strife with him not in the locker room. Uh, Carlson having a little resurgent performance here. Their defense looks better, gets some better goaltending, and, you know, there's there's enough talent on the team that they can beat you any night. So I still don't think this is a playoff team, but... You know, they're they're they may be uh, they may tease it this year. So much fun watching uh, that game. Uh, Gord Miller was the broadcaster. He had Eric Carlson on for an interview, and we'll bring in Mike Rupp here as well, uh, who's joining us. And Rupper, uh, Gord Miller says to him, you, "We know you still believe that you're one of the best players in the world, but the last few years has that wavered." And straight faced. Carlson just says to him, I should ask you guys, you guys are the experts. <laughs> and my first thought is, well, I was one of those experts too, because I thought he was looking awful the last few years. But you think this guy's got a chip on his shoulder this year? Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, I, I think he's got to, right? So, uh, you know, Kipper, in uh, those guys, once you get to that level, you, you have to, everyone always says, I don't listen to the outside noise. I don't listen to this. I don't listen to that. Um, I don't read articles. I don't do these things. And I, and I believe to a certain degree you, you don't, 
but to a certain degree you do. And you hear when people start thinking that you've fallen off or you're not what you once used to be. And I don't think you get to the level that Eric Carlson was um, not caring what people have to think, right? You're always trying to prove yourself and have a chip on your shoulder. So uh, I think that that's how he's approaching this year. And you know what? He's, he's probably not even going to want to hear anybody if, if he's coming out and he's, you know, he's gets it going in the first 20 games. Um, he probably doesn't want to hear the praise. He just wants to keep it. He's, this is where he's at. He's trying to, get back to once he, what he once was. And, and I think that it's all about him playing with that chip on his shoulder. That's what San Jose thought they were getting in him. That's how he played before. He always had that chip, that swagger, that confidence. And I agree with you. I think it's kind of slipped uh, to the wayside in the last couple of seasons. We're joined with Mike Rupp, color analyst for the NHL Network and AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. The uh, that's a great conversation I think about confidence and elite athletes because I remember Drew Doughty too, uh, you know where he wasn't at his best at times in the past couple of years, but he still carried himself like he thought he was the best defenseman in the NHL. Some of the greatest players you played with, like, is it possible to shake the confidence of elite elite guys? Like, is it really any different for those guys when they're not at their peak confidence? If that exists. You know, it's funny because uh, I've always found that when you when you talk to guys and and it's a it's a real thing. I, I think in some situations you think, well, how how is that guy ever how is that guy ever lacking confidence? I mean, he's you know Drew Doughty or whoever. I'm just using him as an example. I don't I don't know Drew, it, right. but uh, as far as every player, you go through it and you you feel confidence in, in different ways. And when you don't have it, sometimes you have to manufacture it. And it's almost like you, you say the right thing and you do the right things to convince yourself, right? Like you got to, you got to, you got to almost convince yourself that you're still that before you can start convincing others. So, um, but I like it. I think it's uh, when, when guys come out and do that and say that, I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to be one to say, yeah, no, you're not. I'm going to say, okay, let's see what you got. And you got our attention now because I think they earned that respect for some of these guys that have what they've done in this league. Okay. All right, well, I'm gonna listen to you right now, and let's see what you can do about it. I, it, I, I love it. I, I think that that's what I want for my superstars. I don't want them sitting there just gonna be okay with their eight-year deal and just riding off into the sunset. I want them to be pissed off, and I want them to to show that. And you make, you make an excellent point when you when you talk about Drew Doughty because uh, you're right. Uh, the players that I've played with, the elite, elite, e- even when they struggled, it's it's like it's not me, it's you. And it's you, and it's you. It's not me. I'm <laughs> yeah, fine. I'm, I'm good. Never the issue. And that's Drew Doughty. Don't tell me for one second that Drew Doughty didn't put a ton of pressure upstairs to Rob Blake and and all the rest of them to say, "I'm still elite." And if you guys are going to waste my years, you're crazy. Go get me some help. Go get some guys in, and let's win now. Yeah. No, I I, I agree with that. I, I think that you sit there and you you look. Those guys. I mean, even from that situation, if we're going to stay in L.A. here. I think management had a responsibility and I'll lump in some of those teams that have had the success, right? The, the LA Kings with their two cups and those core guys that are still there. I mean, that seems like an eternity ago when they won those, but they still got Drew, still got uh, Dustin Brown. They got Kopey. They got, you know, Quickie. These are complimentary. Like you got to find ways to take some of the, take some of the, uh, some of the responsibilities off their plate. Pittsburgh is the same situation. They've been trying to figure that out. How can we take a little more off the plate? And to stay in L.A. there, I think you had a situation here where we saw Andre Kopitar looked unbelievable last season. Mm-hmm. Like his offensive production was fantastic. He looked like the old Andre Kopitar. So I think there's, there's one of two ways you address it, and you look at it as management, and you say, okay, 
moving forward here. We got to we got to take some off the superstars and these core guys played around for a long time. We can either go and try to help get some scoring punch, but that's going to cost a premium. I mean, if you're going to help out Andre Kopitar and try to get either an elite, uh, another center, maybe a uh, top two line center or another goal scoring winger, it's going to cost you. you. You see it all the time in this league. Or you can say, well, this guy showed me X last year. Let's start giving him some more offensive zone starts. Let's, let's, let's get someone to take some of the defensive responsibilities off. And that's why I think that Philip Deneau move was fantastic mm-hmm. because I, I, I think that, and Philip Deneau says the same thing, and that's it to another level, is, is he says that he still has some untapped offensive ability that we didn't see in Montreal. So, okay, we might be getting that, but what we're going to get is a defensive, reliable player that's going to allow Andre Kopitar to get more offensive zone starts to think in a different manner. And, and when you get guys... Uh, in situations like that, it frees them up. But you also have to have that belief of maybe going into a room and kicking a chair over in Drew Doughty's situation, saying, "Hey, we get, we're we're good. I'm good. I'll be better. Like, let's get this. Let's make a move. I'm not going to sit here and be part of this rebuild, and then uh, I'm done. And then you guys win. We're winning while I'm here." Well, that reminds me exactly of what's going on there in Pittsburgh. You know, Brian Burke was on this show last year talking about how anytime you have Crosby and Malkin, you got to be getting guys in. Like, you have to be going for it while you have those guys on that team. They haven't had them so far this season. I wasn't really sure what to expect of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, wild range of outcomes. If they were first or last in that division, it wouldn't have blown me out of the water. What do you make of this team through four games so far without their superstars and, and what they can be when they get them back? You know, it's funny, uh, JB. You say that in Pittsburgh, and obviously, I do some I do some work there for the Pens with their their pre and post coverage. And that question's come up all the time in this off season: is what the teams we're looking for? Are we concerned about some teams? Though we always talk about that window: is the window closed? I, the window's never closed when you have those guys. Right. I, I don't believe that. Right. And I was fortunate enough to play with those guys for two years. It, it, you have those guys; that window's open. It might be a little smaller than what it once was, but it's still open. And so when I got asked that question about this team, I, I'm, you know, I just want to say what I think, and I'm, I'm was really concerned, really concerned with this team. I thought this team could have, would have, could have been coming out of the gates here without Evgeny Malkin for the first two months that they were saying originally. It doesn't, I don't know, I can't see him coming back prior to Christmas. I think they need to really take their time. <clears throat> excuse me with this one. Um, but he, uh, this team very well could have been in last place in that Metro division or fighting for it. Right. So uh, the way they came out was uh, was incredible, and I think this is really important because I think this is what's lacked uh, in Pittsburgh for the last number of years is I feel like there's almost been – it's easy to say that players defer or they, they look to uh, the guys to bring out the Superman cape, right? Sid, Gino, over the years – but I, I feel like that there's times in that lineup where it's almost been you're, you're chasing, all right, who's going to play with these guys? Who's going to be the winner? Sid's line has been um, Jake Gensel, Brian Russ has been awesome, but they've still been chasing who's going to play with Geno. So it's almost like that roster has been built, and I think that the, the attitude on that team has been, I'm just going to play well so I can get bumped up and maybe get some ice time for those, those guys. And, and it's almost like they've lost game managers. They've lost guys who influence the game um, in a different way. They haven't had some of those intangibles. That's why when they're out of the lineup now, without Sid, without Gino, you have no choice. You got to manage the game. You got to bring all the little things. Yeah, and, and I love what I'm seeing. Yeah, I love what I'm seeing from these guys. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the little things. And Mike, you you spent a whole career being a, a great support guy, a role player, and 
if you looked at the Pittsburgh Penguins record without Sid and Gino out at the same time, you'd be blown away. It's something like, it's crazy. It's like 32 or 33 uh, wins and maybe 16 losses. It's something ridiculous that you would never think in a million years. But I tell people that when, when you start losing some of your best players, it really speaks to what a team sport the game is to how to win. And, yeah. and it's just, at the end of the day, it's, yes, you can have certain guys that can, can break open a game with one play. But the one thing that happens when you, when you lose stars is that you get insecure and you feel like, man, I, I don't want to be embarrassed tonight. So yeah. the, the attention to detail in your lineup goes up tenfold. Then, obviously, when you start leaning towards guys, and I, that, that's what happens in our game, that we can still yeah. see a star player get lost in a lineup, be it a regular season or a playoff game, and 19 other guys can still find a way. Yeah, I mean, look at Buffalo. When Buffalo loses, they lose, it, uh, they lose uh, Eichel. Okay, they're without Reinhardt. There's a line, and, and, and I'm not trying to say. I mean, they were bad last year. We know this. But when you're taking, when you have a bad team, and you take away that kind of talent, I mean, you, we're thinking this is they and and, and Arizona are going to be just battling for Shane. Right? It, it puts everybody on high alert. I'm not getting embarrassed. We're all pros. We're all proud. And, and when you're telling me that, I mentioned that kid. It reminds me back when I think it was the what year was that? That had to have been 20. 11 season, I believe. Uh, I was in Pittsburgh, and that's the year that that Sidney Crosby, uh, that Sid, got dinged up in the Winter Classic, and we were without him. You know, that was his. That was those those dark times where his his concussions and his his head issue there. So we never even saw Sid. Sid wasn't even around the rink. We barely saw him. Evgeny Malkin. That was one of his first ACL injuries. We were without him. So from like December or Winter Classic was in January 1st. So like January 1st on, we were without both those guys. We finished with 106 points or so that year. <laughs> we were we were fantastic. And you know what it did is it almost put like Jordan Stahl was always that third line center, and he always and we saw it later on. He wanted to be a top six guy to see if he can play a top six um, role. That's why he went to Carolina. That's why he basically forced his way out of Pittsburgh. You see that? Well, that was an opportunity. That was a, a rehearsal for him. You know, he's like, hey, I'm going to show. Yeah, it's great. I love playing with these guys, but I can be a, I can be a second line center. I'll be a first line center. He was our first line center with Tazi and Matt Cook. They were awesome. And then there's guys like me and everybody else. Like we all work. Hey, we're on the ice, Kipper. You know this, and JB as well. Like we're on the ice doing extra after practice too. We they didn't pick us up at a truck stop on the way to the game. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? So this is our opportunity to be like, everyone's selling us short. We're pros too. And I think you get a different level. Now the big balance is going to be not to let that guard down when those guys come back. That's going to be a big thing. Sidney Crosby looks like he's you know, going to be coming back here shortly. Now it's about, all right, everything we did, we, we still need that. And that's the balance that Mike Sullivan has. I don't, I don't think uh, a guy like Steve Sullivan, a former teammate of mine here in Toronto, minded seeing Sidney Crosby out that year. I mean, that's opportunity, man. That's ice time. That's yeah. a chance yeah. to put up 50 points, which he did. And yeah. that, that's, how, that's how guys look at it. Well, there's a great conversation there about drivers versus passengers and coaches trying to get guys not to be passengers. And I think it brings us to what goes on here in Toronto, where the whole team is looked at as 
four stars. Our team is four stars, and then we kind of fill in and around them. And I feel like you have a bunch of guys waiting for those four guys to go get the offense, to go create, and otherwise no one feels the need to sort of step up and, and be the guy or even try to be that guy. When you look at this Toronto Maple Leafs team, do you feel any differently about what they can be than you have in years past, or does it yet again look like another team that's talented but probably not a real Stanley Cup threat? That one, that one's real difficult, and I think you guys would be the first ones to to be able to say it, being in that in that sure. area and, and and entrenched in it all the time. But you sit there. And you're, last year, what I saw in the regular season, I saw a team that was a little bit different, a little bit different. I found I, I felt like they found other ways to win, yeah, and I was encouraged by that. Yeah, and I was in, I was encouraged by that. I was like, okay, they're they're getting it here. I like what Sheldon Keith's doing. I like the way this team's going. The problem is, is that there's the same results last year, and now it's almost like I, I don't know. I've never been in that situation, but I'm trying to put myself in it where it literally does not matter what they do today, tomorrow, um, February. It's what they do in April and May. You know what I mean? So it's almost like you, you can. This team can get it going and look great, and everyone's gonna be like, mm, "Show me later." You know what I mean? So there's this pressure there. In, in this group about, uh, you know, that, that I think is, is it's real. And, uh, but that's what you sign up for. And that it's one of the, um, the great, one of my biggest regrets that I wish I had the opportunity to play in the Canadian market, man. And, but that's some of the things that come along with it. You, you guys know that. And, uh, but I, I also just think that this is a team that I'm concerned about game managers. If we're going to go back to that, phrase that I, I felt like this team has has lacked that at times where they would build a lead in a game and they would kind of still play the game the same way um zach hyman was a a little bit of a different bird in that in that atmosphere and and he's not there anymore and so when i look at this team now i think to myself like i, I don't know i don't i don't know those guys personally but I, what i do know is uh, from experience is i think is a, a role player Complimentary player, you go to the arena, whatever your whatever your go to is, man. Some guys like just be you know calm, go get a coffee, come in. Some guys like to listen to music on the way in, you drive in, whatever the situation is. You got to if you're a fourth line guy, third line guy, you got to go to that game wanting to be a difference maker right. and feeling that you're just important to your team as Austin Matthews. That you know, I want the puck as Mike Rupp of fourth line grinder. I want the puck on my stick just as much as, as Sid did. Well, the fans surely don't want that puck on my stick. Like <laughs> it would be Sid. I'm not trying to mix that up. Nobody wants that. But you have to have that because you're going to get an opportunity to make a difference in a game. And it might be with the puck on your stick. You know what it might actually be? It might be where you put the puck that's on your stick to be safe. You know what I mean? And, and I think that, you guys, you, you got to – you got to want to be a difference maker when you're heading to the rink, no matter who you are. And, and that's your own safe space, man. You could think you're, you're a big timer or whatever, but you got to have this belief that you're going to make a difference that night. And uh, I think some teams have those guys and uh, look at the, the, those, that the belief that we've talked about that New York Islanders fourth line for the last number of years, you think those guys go to the rink wondering what the game is going to look like. They know exactly how they're influencing the game every night. And that's what makes them so good. Which really contradicts the fan watching it who says, I don't care what you do, I just care about the playoffs. That's the assumption that there's going to be a switch to hit and you're going to be great in the playoffs. But we know, Rupert, it doesn't work that way, that the 82 games is a dress rehearsal 
for you to learn how to manage the game like you just said. That's what you play 82 games for. That's what we look for. And that's what you need to use so when it's needed in the first round, it feels a lot more natural because you've experienced it in various parts of the regular season. That's what I try to explain to people that that's why it's not about just waiting for the playoffs. No, it's it's a slow it's a slow build, and I, I think you get some free passes maybe along the way, depending, I guess, if your team's finding ways to get points. Um, there's anybody right now. That's why it's always when people mention, uh, well, you know, these guys are these guys are winning because it's not playoff. No one's playing playoff hockey right now. These undefeated teams right now, they're not playing playoff hockey. You mentioned Sid Crosby. Uh, he's not ready to play this weekend. Uh, but the sense is that uh, whatever was ailing him, he's good to go. Yeah, I just saw the news today, too, that uh, he was talking about an injury that I guess happened with Ryan Reeves and him six, I think it was six years ago. <laughs> That's insane. It's been nagging him. And uh, this summer was just, it just wasn't turning the corner. It's been something he's maintaining. So, I think that they're taking the time, taking their time with him. Uh, he'll be back here real soon. I think he'd take even longer with Malkin because of his ACL issues in the past. But uh, hey, man, this team is rolling, and adding a guy like that's only going to help. So, can you imagine how good Sid could have been if it wasn't for this injury <laughs> six years ago? Right, I know. Right, I thought the same thing with Austin Matthews too. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, weird. He's got a bad wrist. Yeah, he looks so bad. He's really struggling <laughs> out there. Yeah, Mike, thank you so much, man. All right, thanks, guys. Nice rapper. Yeah, it's, tag, it's, tag 50 it, points onto Sid's totals. Give him 50 more. It is, it is amazing, though. That's just mind over matter. Some yeah. guys can do it, and some guys can't, can't find a way. Yeah. You know, there's a huge difference, a huge difference in what players will tolerate to play. You know, there's a lot of guys out there who just feel like it's their duty to be on the ice. And if they can functionally be out there, they'll get out there. And there are some guys who, if they feel less than 100%, will not do it. Um, you know, we're, I don't know, you call guys soft or just different? or I don't know. Uh, you never. You got to be careful with that term now. I know. <laughs> I know you're not wrong, but it's like it's there like, is a difference between what guys I, will play with. And we shouldn't pretend there isn't there because are, there is. There are some guys that can manage and Some guys are overcome. Tough. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's better. When it's all said and done, we, we still glorify those guys. Oh, look, he, he's still playing. What a warrior. And we still do it. Here's the thing we should. We should. These guys are paid a ton of we money. We don't have to, to stop their... that anymore. No, we pay these guys a ton of money to, be, to help their teams win. And if they're willing to go through a lot to help the team win, more power to him. Okay. More respect. I, I love it. Thank you for green lighting that for me. Because I'm not sure I'm a little older. I'm still, everybody, I'm old school. I'm a dinosaur. I, I got you to keep me young right now. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs>